You guys can be seated. Good morning. Thank you. Man, stellar job. Thanks, sir. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited about today. Today is the last sermon in our vision series. We've been going back through our the vision of the orchard, which is love. Love God. Good, good. And love people. Love. Love people. Three of you are with me. It's the biscuits and gravy before church that just kind of, yeah. We're here to love God and love people, and that's it. And so we have been going back through what it means to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And today we finish with love others as ourselves. And we've been talking about how we want this vision, this Shema, it's called in the Bible, the Shema, the Hebrew word of this prayer, to be the DNA of our church, the marrow of who we are. That below and in everything that we do, every activity, every event, is we love God and we love people. For those of you who've missed any of the past weeks, I would encourage you to go back through and listen. If you missed Love God with All Your Heart or Soul or Mind or Strength, any of those, um, go back through and listen to it. See what we're about here at the orchard. And remember the Shema, as I said, it was a, it's a prayer. And this prayer is from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6. And they were to pray it every morning, every night. And in fact, you guys want to say it in Hebrew? You want to try this? Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Very good job. That's hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Leviticus it says, and love others as ourself. And together that was the Shema, the prayer that Jesus prayed twice a day. And all the Hebrews through time would pray this. And so it, it, it's in the Old Testament. It's all through the Testament. And Jesus comes along in Matthew 22 and says this. This is the account of it. I'm going to read it again to catch us up. An expert in the Bible tested Jesus with a question. Teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law. Now, there's a lot, isn't there? There's the Ten Commandments, but there's also all the other Levitical and Mosaic commandments. There's a lot. You know, how, if I asked you to name the Ten Commandments, most of us might not even be able to do that. But they had 260-some they were working on. So he's asking a pretty big question. Of all these witches in one, and Jesus says this in verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. One preacher put it this way. He said that, because um, the word hang there, that is the, the Greek word, it is, it, it, it is supported by, and, and I think it was John Piper talks about how um, we have to use this, this vision, this vision of like we have the earth and the scroll of God's word and love and all that he does hangs down into the earth. And if he was to take us and pull us back, we would see that this giant scroll ascends to heaven on two golden chains that are fixated to the throne, and the two chains are love God and love, uh, love people. That from the throne of God, all of the word and work of God hangs. It depends on it. To the very nature of God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as ourself. It is such a huge and high and epic thing. 
I always say, does the, does the Bible confuse us? Well, Jesus simplified it down. Listen, all of it, all the prophets, all the law, summed up in this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people as yourselves. And that's why it's our vision here at the Orchard. It's the vision of God's church, love God, love people. And what happens when we begin to live this? If we, we have this series we've, we've just been going through where we've broken up the heart and soul, mind, and strength, what would happen if we as a church, if we as a people, began to live this way? Well, if we begin to love God with all of our heart, all of our affections, if our heart was rightly aligned with God, if we loved what God loved, and what if what broke God's heart broke our heart? Man, when was the last time your heart was just broken? You know, we know that Jesus wept. We know that Jesus was moved by, by pain and by sin and suffering, injustice. If our heart, if we love God with all of our hearts, that we would, we would be correctly aligned with him. And what about if our soul... What if we love God with all our soul? The soul is the deepest part of our being. This is the original, this is the deepest spiritual imprint of who you are, the truest identity of who you are. And when we love him with all of our soul, we begin to see him more clearly, and guess what? We begin to see ourselves as he sees us. The deepest, truest part of us. What if we saw ourselves the way God saw us at our truest, truest part? That at the core of who I am, I am a beloved son, forgiven and powerful and at peace and good. Instead of what the world and culture teaches me, that I'm worthless. I'm a mess up. I'm a hypocrite. All those things. If we love God with all of our mind, every thought would be taken captive, as the word says. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What if we could live apart from anxiety? Bitterness, anger, lust, these, these thoughts and these things that harangue us and just that, that, um, oppress us. What would it be like to love God with all of our mind? And finally, what about loving God with all of our, our strength? Remember, this is not all of our muscle. It's all of our means, all of our resources, all of our influence. It's loving God with everything in my life I can bring to bear. That everywhere I go, at work or at home or at play, I'm bringing to bear all of the good things God has given me, from my personality to my influence to, to any leadership. Anything I can bring, I'm loving God with all of my strength wherever I go. I am influencing for his kingdom. And Amy and I, this is something that we really um, believe and live. Loving God with all your strength is also loving God with all of your resources. And so we have a, a belief in our, our family that all of our money— all of it is his. It's all his. And we give him 10% out of worship and obedience. But at any point, any point, it's his money. If he asks us to give anything, and he has, it's his. He can do with it as he pleases. And so we have said, God, that is part of our strength, our resource, who we are as a family. We will love you as much as we can with all of that. If we did those five, if we loved God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, what would happen? What would we look, how would we be different? How would your life be different? You know, I believe that that is the call of God, that we would live truly transformed lives, to love him in each of those places. He could have just said, love God, wholly, completely, but he broke it up, didn't he, to give us some areas to look at. What if we loved him like that? What if we were fully alive, 
fully woke, fully aware to his kingdom, loving him, and then loving others as ourself. People, and I've, I've felt this, we say, you know, man, Christianity just doesn't work. I don't, I'm not feeling it. Um, it says this, it, it says this thing, but I'm doing, feeling this thing, and it just seems kind of herky-jerky. Um, man, where is God the way he is in here? And oftentimes, when I, when I am asking those questions, I go back to how I'm loving God, and I see that there are, there are places where I am off in loving him with all my mind, maybe, or my heart. God wants a holistic love for him. That I would give him all of me, all of who I am. It is yours. I am yours. Anything you desire, Father, I am yours. When we begin to live like this, do you know what we look like? We look more like Jesus. And that's the goal, isn't it? That through all of this, we look more like Jesus. That's being a disciple. Remember, the disciples of Jesus' time, it was a different context. When you were asked to be a disciple in Jesus' time, you wanted, to be li- you wanted to be like your rabbi. You wanted to be your rabbi. Not just learn what he learned. It's not like a teacher and artist. We want to learn what they learned and pass the test. But the rabbi back then, I wanted to be exactly like him. And that is how God, that's what he's calling us to, that as we love God wholly, we become more like Jesus. And what did Jesus look like? If that's the goal, what did he look like? And that's where we land today's message. Jesus embodied loving others as himself. Jesus embodying loving people, loving his neighbor. He loved and cared for people in a way that is still revolutionary. He loved. Man, did he love. And I believe it was because he was resourced from a love based on the Shema. It's a beautiful thing to live the Shema. It's a beautiful thing to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when I step out and begin to love others from that, from that I begin to love others as myself, Listen, that is the visible manifestation of an internal reality. People can't always see what's going on inside of me. See, what's going on inside of me, loving God, that's passion. But oftentimes there's passion that turns into compassion. So I'm loving God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as I step out and love others, it's a visible, tangible manifestation. They see the work of God. It's evidence that he is at work. And that's why verses all throughout the Bible discuss this. And they say over and over that the law and prophets are summed up in it. Listen to this. Romans 13 says this. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be, whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm the neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. The golden rule, Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now in these two verses, he leaves off, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is that about? Are we to assume that we miss something? No. See, Jesus is in Matthew, and, and we have Paul up there. What they're saying here is that if you love others as yourself, it is assumed that you have loved God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You cannot love others as yourself the way the Bible is calling us to unless you first are found in the love of God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. Love fulfills the law because it is actively living out the reality God is calling us to. 
It is evidence of an internal reality. John Piper says this. It's not as though loving God is not in these verses or that loving God is less important. Rather, loving God is made visible and manifest and full in our practical and sacrificial love. And God is seen in the way that we love others as ourselves. That is why Jesus says that they will know you are my disciples by your love. Church, are, is, the, is the American church known for our love? Is that the reputation we have? We've earned our reputation honestly, but as disciples, as orchard, as disciples, we get to say we will love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we want them to know Jesus, know that we're his disciples by our love. The law is fulfilled in this, and I want to say we cannot fake this. Did you know you can't muster up enough selfless love and goodwill to truly love others as yourself. That little caveat just changes it all. Your greatest amount of human gumption in compassion or in charity cannot fully love others as yourself. It is a high calling that goes beyond my humanity. It's a high calling that needs to be resourced by something deep within me. And, and let me just tell you something. We're moved by this. We watched these movies. We watched them. Um, it's a Wonderful Life last night. And everyone shows up. And they're all coming in and they're helping him. And, and, and it's, I, I'm over there like chin quivering. <sighs> it gets me. It gets me. I, I love Christmas movies. But man, there's something in this that moves us. When we see others helping and loving other people, it moves us. Can I tell you why those movies and commercials and all those things move you? Because you were created for it. See, the word says that he placed eternity in our hearts. There's something within the heart of humanity that, that asks for more. Is there more after life? Is there more after death? Um, I feel like I'm made for more. And some people, they find that part of themselves and they squelch it. Some people find that in other, we take that somewhere. But God said he's placed eternity in our hearts. And with that, we are created to love God. We're created for something divine, interaction and we're also created to have that go through us and love others as ourselves. That's why when we watch these things, we're moved. And that's why I'm going to play you something that has no words that you can understand. I think they, they typed some of it out on there. But watch this little commercial and just understand that there's something in the heart of humanity that's moved because God created us to love others like this. Let's play the video.
<laughs> Life insurance. I don't care what they're advertising. I want it. I need Thai life insurance right now. Because <laughs> they're selling something that is within each of us. We're moved. When that, he looks up and there's that little girl in the uniform. I'm like, oh, gosh, it just <laughs> gets me. There's something in us that's moved. We're moved when we read these stories in, the, in a magazine or paper. We're moved when we see it. And when we become a part of it, we're moved. God created this way to love others in a glorious, sacrificial way. So let's look closer at this verse, love others as yourself. See, because at first blush, it, it looks swell. I mean, I can love others. If it was just love people or love others, man, I get that. I can do that. Can you guys love people? Can you love others? Yeah, I can work on that, God. Thanks for the tip. Love others as myself. Now, the more and more you get to look at what that actually means, orchard, you see the impossibility in it. Do you know how much you love yourself? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> see, there's, there's nothing that can, be, that can truly love others. I can't truly love others as myself apart from the Shema. To love others as myself means this. As energetic as I am at pursuing my own happiness... I am energetic about pursuing the happiness of others. As creative as I get with the pursuing my own good, I get that creative pursuing the good of others. As myself. It says as myself, guys. That as much as I persevere to improve my, my world and love myself and add these things to my world, I persevere in the lives of others. It doesn't just mean that I want the same things for people. It means that I pursue them in the same way I pursue them for myself. See, wanting the same thing for somebody else is one thing, but wanting it the same way you want it for yourself, that's as yourself. Do we love others as ourselves? Man, what a high bar. The more I look at this, the more daunting it looks, that, that my own self-seeking, that the measure of it would be my self-giving, that these two things would be measured. Often our self-seeking is so high and our giving is so low. But I love each other, I love others as myself. How, how big, how epic is this pursuit? That what I hope for myself, I hope for others. The way I hope for myself, I hope for others. See, it becomes one of the greatest challenges in this world to truly love others as ourself. See, we want, we want these things for ourselves, and these aren't bad things to want. I want promotion. I want more money, more peace, more health, more success, more travel, more love, more freedom. That's, that's, I don't know if I named all yours. I'm just naming stuff. What is it you want for yourself? The question is, do we want those for the people around us in the same measure? And God has been convicting me that I don't just want them for the people around me, but I want them in the same way, and I pursue it in the same way I pursue it for myself. That's loving others as myself. That's very convicting when I, I look at my life and see, I mean, even in prayer, am I pursuing for others the way that I pray and pursue for myself? Do I pray for others the way I pray for myself? Orchard, what would it look like if we did this? What would this look like in your life? What if we began as a church to love others as ourself? 
that we not, didn't just want them to have the same thing that we have and pray for that, but we went after it the same way. We, we want to go after it for ourselves. It's so challenging. One reason it's so challenging because this attacks the very root of sin in our life. When you put the tag on there as yourself, it attacks the sin in my life. Love people, I can work on that. Love people as myself, whoa. See, the root of sin, the sin nature that's in all of us, that little part is, that's in there, it wants what it wants for itself. It, here's, a, here's a good example of it. My, my daughter, Selah, man, I, love, I love her to death. She is nothing like my son. And those of you who have more than one kid, you realize pretty quick, they're nothing alike. My happy, sanguine, gregarious son, Eli, doesn't like being um, unhappy. He doesn't like hitting people. And Selah loves to make him unhappy and loves to hit him. <laughs> she's a fireball. She's, she's just different. Was not prepared for them. Much more like her mother. Um, <laughs> she's not here, so it's okay. But here's what it is. There are times when, as I say, I'm, dan- I'm home and I'm dancing with Eli. We're doing something fun in the living room. And, and there's just this chaos and fun. And she will walk in the middle of the living room. And, and she's not like fully involved because she's well, not even one and a half. And she'll stand there and just yell, Me! <laughs> Me! <laughs> Me! <laughs> And I look at that and I go, and God's like, Daniel, (laughs) in life, that is what you do. (laughs) I see other people getting things that I want. I see people getting blessed in ways that I want to get blessed. And I just go, me, me, God, me. And so when I love others as myself, I have to say, you, you. It attacks the root of sin in my life. How many of us stand there in parts of our life and just yell, me? When we love others as ourselves, we celebrate what everybody else, we celebrate when people get things. And we say, you, we can pray me, but don't scream me. <laughs> what a high calling, what a high challenge. And as we look at this, at this verse, it doesn't get any easier. See, because we've talked about the word agape previously in the first week about loving God with all your heart. And agape is this big, epic love that God loves us with agape it's unconditional it's that love that a parent has for a child kind of like i i just love everything about you god loves his love overcomes a multitude of sins it's unconditional like i said agape love is so big did you know that here it says to agape others as myself as if it wasn't already hard enough with just as myself, the word love is agape. There's other words, phileo, which means like, that's like um, brotherly, sisterly love. There's all kinds of different words for love. Oh no, Jesus went with agape, the big one. So now I have to use this big unconditional love and I have to love them as myself. How hard is this to love others unconditionally? Let's look at what God's agape gives us. And it gives us so much. I'm just going to go with two. God's agape gives us so many things. But one of the things that it gives us for certain is grace. We love this, that God gives us grace. This is when he gives us good things that I don't deserve. This is God's favor upon me when I don't deserve it. God also gives us mercy. This is when he does not give us what we do deserve. You know, in my sin, um, I, don't de- I deserve God's wrath. I deserve God's discipline. But God gives us Jesus. God gives us grace and mercy. He gives us greater things than we deserve, and he does not give us the things we truly deserve. That's agape. And I just want to ask you in your life, with the people around you, are you giving them grace? 
Are you giving things to people that they don't deserve? And are you giving them mercy? Are you not giving them the wrath that you think they deserve? It's such a high bar. But, 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 you don't know this guy. He's terrible. If you knew him, you would understand. He doesn't deserve grace and mercy. I would go, but, 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 you do not either. Apart from Jesus Christ, who lives inside of you and hopefully is active and working so that you can love like he loves. So when I agape others as myself, I give them grace and I give them mercy. The bottom line is this, that we enjoy a bounty of God's grace and mercy. His agape. And we are to pass that agape on and agape others, love others as ourselves. Agape does not want retribution. It doesn't want comeuppance for somebody. It, it prays for others as you would pray for yourself. Do you pray for yourself that you would finally just get what's coming to you? Do you? Then why do you hope that for some other people? God, just give me what I got coming to me. Yeah, I deserve it. Then let's not think, I hope that guy gets what's coming to him. Let us love others as we love ourselves. Love people, love our neighbor, love others. God puts no qualifier here. Did you know that? He puts no qualifier on what type of person this other, this person, this neighbor is. It doesn't say, doesn't say Democrats, doesn't say Republicans, doesn't have a gender, doesn't have a race, doesn't have an orientation. It just says people. It just says others. It just says neighbor. You go and you love, and you assume that that person's who God's talking about. There is no qualifier. You can't apply this to everybody except for them. Because I don't really like them. No, no. Those are the ones you should probably go to first. Agape people as yourself. So challenging. So challenging to even think of doing this. And that's why we have to be living first and foremost the Shema. That's why we have to be found in God's word and worship and prayer and loving God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Who are we not agapeing, agapeing in our lives? Who are we not loving with our life? Because this is an indication where you are not living according to God's Shema. That's the conviction part for me. If I look at the people around me, I go, who am I not agapeing as myself? That is an indication of where I have a deficit in the Shema of loving God. We say, well, this person hurt me deeply. I don't want good things for that person. That person in our office, in our office that needs to be brought down a few levels, well, I don't want to pray that they succeed. The person who frustrates us so much and we just hope that they finally get exposed, maybe, maybe just taken down a notch or two. <laughs> the person you harbor bitterness toward that you hope at some point, someday, gets some kind of repayment for all that they've done. Those who just irritate us, who we want to avoid. We want nothing to do with them. Listen, I get this. We all live this, don't we? We have these people in our lives. You might be one of these for somebody. You probably are. <laughs> but there's no agape in these scenarios. There's no schma in this. And this is not how God loves us. I believe we're better than this. I believe we're called to be better than this. Problem is when we're out there hoping people get what's coming to them, we don't want that for ourselves. And so as much as I would love myself and pray, God, let me off the hook on this one, now I pray that God would give them grace and mercy, and I give it to them. Let me, let me make this personal for myself. Um, when the Love God with All Your Heart week, I told a story, uh, and you can go back and listen to that if you want more details, but I talked about my um, time in Georgia and my previous wife, not Amy, my wife now, and her infidelity. Um, 
after the fallout of that and trying to move on, I knew that I needed to forgive her. I knew that if I harbored bitterness, it wouldn't affect her. She's in Atlanta. Who would it affect? Me. And my future spouse and my children and my ministry. I did not want bitterness within me. And so you begin to pray to forgive somebody. And you guys have, have you guys been on this journey where you're trying to forgive somebody you don't want to? Who doesn't even deserve it? You've, you've been, and you have all those things built up in your mind. And it's just like, you do that first prayer. God, forgive them. <laughs> but not really, you know. God began to just to, to, to push in on this. And he made it clear to me at one point. My son, you need to pray for her as you pray for yourself. Are you kidding me? After all of that, I should pray for her as I pray for myself? I didn't even know the concept of Shema loving others myself at the time. What a colossal mountain to climb, that kind of forgiveness. To pray for somebody who had hurt me more than anyone. I even knew it was even possible to be hurt. And so I, I pray, I here's why I pray for myself. God bless me, bless my health, bless my finances, bless my emotions and my mind and my relationships, my friends. God bless me and, and ble God just bless me. That's, that's not how I pray every day. <laughs> just a little snapshot sometimes. And so God made it clear, pray for her like I pray for myself. And I'll never forget the first time I tried this. It just tasted like poison in my mouth to say it. God, bless her relationally. Bless her financially. It tasted like poison because that was the poison coming out of me. Getting out. And I don't know when it happened, but uh, I do know there came a point where I can pray for her, and I do when she comes to mind. Listen, God never asked me to trust her again. I don't even have to like her. I just have to pray. <laughs> I have to pray out of agape. Father, bless her. And when I got to that point in my heart of hearts, it was as if the last chain that had me was broken. And I am free of that. And so, Orchard, today, who can you not pray for like yourself? Who do you choke out the words to say, God bless them? God, bless them emotionally financially bless them with success lord pour out your grace lord pour out your mercy father bring them closer to you lord i pray that you give them great things get going in it who who do you struggle to pray that way with that's an indication of where God wants you to step in with the Shema. Loving him more holy with your heart soul mind and strength and love and pray for them as yourself some of you, that's the only thing you need to hear today. Because for 2017, maybe for you, it's that you begin to go after the bitterness you have in your heart towards somebody, and you start with that by starting to pray for them as you pray for yourself. When you get in prayer, it changes you. When I pray, it changes me. My heart was changed by the presence of my Father praying for that person. Who are you withholding love from? Is that how, you know, oftentimes the spouses are in relationships, or even in families, we withhold love from somebody to teach them a lesson. Is that how you want to be taught a lesson? Is that if you, honey, please withhold love from me to teach me lessons. No, you wouldn't love yourself like that, so stop loving them like that. Love others as yourself and your relationships. Find those places. 
See, we would give love, if I was loving somebody as myself, I would give abundantly to me. I would give so abundantly to myself. I, would, I really would. I would withhold nothing from me if I were in charge of this whole thing. So I need to love that way. I need to love my wife and my kids and my family and my friends and my enemies in that way. Like, I can't have a different set of rules for them and hope for something for me. They, the Shema, God, does not allow that. He invites us to live at a higher plane. Well, to bring this home, loving God as ourselves is the greatest reality of heaven. This is the truest divine reality God would have for us, to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as myself. This is the deepest and greatest calling of heaven. Living Shema and loving God and loving others. This is the purpose of why you're here on this earth. Let me just say this. I am on this planet, Daniel Self, to love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as myself. I'm not on this planet to really do anything else than that. That's my purpose. Now, yes, I have a job. I've had lots of jobs. I worked at McDonald's in high school. I was a youth pastor for a while. I worked at a bank. I taught martial arts. And now I'm up here doing this. My job has changed, and probably yours will and has in the past. You may have a job and even a career. But when this world passes, will you be doing that career in heaven? Like, we get this, like, my purpose is to do this. My purpose is not being a pastor. My purpose is loving God and loving others. I'm doing it in this job. Put me in a bank, I'll do it there too. When the world passes, I don't think we'll need doctors too much. I don't know if there'll be many doctors in heaven because there'll be not many broken bones and tears. I don't know if there'll be that many lawyers in heaven. Oh, no, no, no. I need to, sorry, Rhonda. My best friends is a lawyer. I have great friends that are lawyers. Let me, rephrase, let me rephrase this. I don't know if, I think there will be lots of lawyers in heaven. I don't know if they'll be practicing law in heaven. <laughs> oh, John and Rhonda, everybody, yes, I'm sorry for them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there'll be many counselors or preachers in heaven. Like, I think God's got the preach. Jesus got the preaching covered. Holy Spirit, the high counselor, he's going to get the counseling. Like, I don't think when I get to heaven, I'm, gonna, oh, I'm ready to clock in. I'm ready to clock in. I believe that my truest purpose and calling is to love God and love people. And when I get to heaven, I'll keep doing that. And so let us not be confused as we go through this life that my purpose on this earth is to do this and this and this and this and this. We get distracted. Have we seen those teenagers on their phone with their headphones in? You seen this? You've seen this. And you could be in a room and, and like, air, like we could have somebody with headphones on their phone playing a game and um, chaos could break out and they would be unaware. Beauty could break out. And it's funny because you go, are you listening? I'm listening. Like they, they can answer, but they're missing the nuance. They're missing the reality. They're miss yes, you just won three gems and beat the frog prince, but it doesn't matter in reality, does it? See, I believe oftentimes the picture of that student on their phone with headphones in is how we go through life. I'm watching the screen of my um, recreation and my work and my hobby and whatever else I would put on there, and I am tuned out to the reality that God has something bigger for me to do. I'm, too, I'm so involved in my screen time of my life that I'm missing the calling he has upon me to love others as myself. That there are people around me every day in need, and I am deployed here as a disciple of God to speak his words, to give what he would have me give them, and I miss it. 
The truest reality of this life is not our work, play, recreation, or anything. The truest reality of this life is to love God and love people. And we start with that purpose, and then we go into our work, and we love God and love people in our work. We go in and we, live our, we love God and our people in our recreation. We take that reality with us instead of just reserving it for certain times. It's the highest calling we have. My work is simply a vehicle, simply a vehicle to bring the Shema to this world. We need to, set, we need to open our eyes Take them off the screens. For me, I had to do this at times. I would set an alarm. I'm just going to let you know. I would, I would set an alarm, and um, it would say, like, um, walk. And that was a cue for me to get up and do a little love other time because I was so immersed in something. I know I had to start here. It's, it's kind of it's lame, but I had to start with an alarm on my phone. I would get up, and I'd walk around the coffee shop, or around the office, or around the block, or whatever it would be, and I'd say, God, give me an opportunity. God, show me. Open my eyes. And as I do that long enough, you begin to, I begin to say, I could do my, my life and be aware but I had to start somewhere. Start somewhere, guys. Put some sort of reminder in your life that there is a reality going on beyond your work and play. That you be conscious of the people around you, that as you're at the coffee shop, as you're at the office, as you're here, as wherever you are, that there's a reality, a divine reality around you, and God's looking for you to step into lives and love others as yourself. And God has been messing with me in this area more than, than most the past six months. See, as th this means so much to me. I want greater results. I want revival. I want, I want the region, I want the city to be set free to know Jesus. But I find that I'm getting the same results by doing the same things. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing the same things, getting the same results. Now, I believe God's going to grow this church in an exponential way. I believe, Charlie and I have been talking, we believe God is going to grow this place and do amazing work. We believe, we believe people are going to come to this place and find Jesus, and find healing, and find reconciliation, and redemption. Marriages are going to be saved. All these things. In fact, let me just do a little time out. Did you know that Christmas Eve this year, we are praying for an extra 100 plus people? Christmas Eve, we just tell the story of Jesus. But what we realize is if we get more, if there's more people that come and get in the story of Jesus, we hope and pray that some come back on January 8th, and they're in the journey with us. And that by somebody coming on Christmas Eve, Six months later, they're in my dad's office getting marriage counseling to save their marriage. Three months later, their children are up there with Stacy hearing about Jesus, that their trajectory of their life would be changed. Nine months later, they're, they're in the baptismal over here. Like, this is real things attached to real people. And so this Christmas, we're asking you guys, listen, invite your friends. Invite everybody. You know Christmas Eve here. We sing carols. We tell the story of Jesus. It's going to be fun. We're going to invite your friends. We're going to actually next week have some door hangers. You know, I, I didn't know that was the term. You, you hang on someone's door and it tells them something. We're going to give you guys some of those. And you can go hang those door hangers on doors or, or whatever else you want to hang them on, you know. But listen, we want, we want our community to just come and receive this gift of Christmas Eve. Have fun with us. And our prayer is to find Jesus in the midst of the coming year. So I'm, I'm all for this. I'm all for people coming here, but I'm also for personal revival. I want my life to matter. And so God's been asking me to try some different things. And something happened in the past week and a half that, that triggered all this stuff. I've been praying about it, God's been moving it, and then something happened. And you might have seen it in the paper or on Facebook. It was the Carbondale Community Group Hug. Do you guys see this? It was a group hug advertisement for those who are... Um, who, for the community to come together post-election and, and find healing. 
a Carbondale group hug. Now, there's, many, there's three different reactions to this. One is, oh my gosh, I want to be in on the group hug. I want that. The other one is, Carbondale. <laughs> Only Carbondale. And the third one is just, just, just go about my life. I, 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 it doesn't even blip on the radar. I, I think I hit all three of those. I hit all three speed bumps, and then God, he said, listen, I'm talking to God about this. I'm like, I'm at the church, and I'm willing to hug anybody. I love hugging people. My life is a hug. I want to love people. I want to love people as myself. I want them to know God's love. I am always here. I am always in the community. I am ready and willing to hug. But I'm getting the same results every year by waiting here to hug people. And there's people that will be there and apparently needing a hug that, that I'm not hugging. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but track with me. In this world, people, um, there's lots of things we say we need. We want a hug, but we need Jesus. They want peace, but they need Jesus. We, we want healing, but we need Jesus. And so I said, I'm going to the group hug. And I'm bringing Jesus. I'm going to go. And, and listen, I'm, I, I just finally said, I'm going to everything. I'm just going to go to stuff. I'm going to go bring Jesus to the hugs and the meetings and the whatever. I mean, this is Carbondale and Glenwood. There's a lot of interesting things I'm going to be a part of, right? I'm not going to do the aerial, uh, the cord that hangs down off the, I don't even know. There's some things that I just can't do. But, uh, but I'm going to bring Jesus as much as I can. I said, Jesus, I am going to try something new. I'm going to step into the world and love people that I would never meet and never encounter and love them as myself. And Orchard, what if we did this? For you, it might not be a group hug. <laughs> For you, it might need to be. But what would, you, what would it do if you, listen, we, we always say this, uh, I just live, I live like God asked me to, and I wait for them to ask me, and then I tell them. It's been 20 years, and no one's asked you. Maybe try something different. <laughs> listen, let us begin to love others as ourselves, and that might mean that we get out of our comfort zones and go and love. Jesus went across the sea to love a demon-possessed man and then came back. Surely you can go somewhere. <laughs> Let us, let us be people who boldly say, I'm not going to say no, no, no. They can come to me and ask me if they want. Let us go and love others as ourselves. Let's bring Jesus. So Orchard, here's the deal. At the end of this, as I'm scrolling down, we must immerse ourselves in this Shema. As I close this thing, Orchard, what, what would be the best thing for us? As you close 2016 and as you think about 2017, there is nothing more worth your heart and soul and mind and strength than the Shema. I would encourage you to make 2017, if you get anything out of it, to, to immerse yourself in the reality of loving God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To begin to memorize it, to begin to know the nuance, to have it begin to be the grid that you see life through because that's the grid that Jesus saw life through. At all times, Jesus loving God, loving his Father with his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving others as himself. 2017, I would encourage you to immerse yourself in it. Let me just read for you again what they say in Deuteronomy concerning the Shema. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This Shema that I give you today is to be on your hearts. Teach this to your children. Talk about it with your friends, with your family. When you sit at home with others when you're on the road, when you drive a car, when you take a bus. Remember this, when you lie down at night and when you get up, may it be the first thought that you think 
Tie the Shema as a symbol to your hand or your wrist. Wear it as a hat on your head. Write it on your doorframe, on your house, on your gate, on your dash, on your bathroom mirror. Write this. Get it in your life. Immerse your life into it. That's what God told the Israelites when he gave them the Shema. And may we be those people. I'm, I'm teaching my daughter the Shema. You know, saw Eli do it. She's now at the point where I say, love God, and she says, heart, soul, and then she holds up her arm. Heart, soul, and strength. She's working on the mind, okay? She's not one and a half yet. But, but I want my daughter to know the reality that no matter what the culture tells her about her identity, how pretty she is, how, how good she is at things, that she loves God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength, and she loves others as herself. May we be these people. If you're 60, if you're 70, if you're as old as my dad, start doing it now. Orchard, to close is this. We are called by an amazing God to love him and then to love others as ourselves. When we are resourced internally with such a great love, it just spills out and we find ourselves loving people who we haven't before. But I would encourage you to check the people around you, your friends, your enemies, and your family, and see who it is and where it is. You cannot even pray for people the way you pray for yourself. Maybe start there. Today, say a prayer for that person that you have not said before. And this week, begin to look for some group hugs to go to. Look for some ways and some places to go and bring God's love and love others as yourself. Amen? Orchard, let's be these people. Let's do this. And let's see God break free in our hearts. And let's see him break free in our region. Amen? Jesus, we need your help. (laughs) Help us, Jesus. The reality is, Father, we cannot love like you love unless we love you. Unless we are filled by you resourced by you. And so God, I pray that here at the orchard you would begin to fill us up and convict us and lead us that our hearts and our minds and our strength and our souls would deeply be rooted in you. And Father, that when your word says they will know us by our love, Lord, I pray that the orchard would become a church where the community knows us because we love. We love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys need prayer this morning for anything, whether it be something about the message or just in general, it could be health, it could be a prayer of blessing, you have something big this week, something small, any prayer, we're gonna have a prayer team up on the front and the sides. I would encourage you, no matter what it would be, to come get a prayer. Have somebody lay hands and pray over you. We have the uh, communion here. This is the symbol of Jesus' blood and body broken for us. Church, let's dive in and respond how he would have us.